Our show's back together. Yay! The whole family. How are you, CJ? Good to be in the environment with you, Uh, gentlemen. Man, so it's a long weekend Friday, and this is how you know CJ loves you. Um, Two days of free agency. We got the draft before that. We got the expansion draft before that draft. And he's making time for us on really what should be his first day off, truly. Like, this should be your first relaxed day in, like, what? Three months? Four months? Two years, man. Two years. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, so, been, what are you talking about? He was tweeting stuff at 11. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so I mean, see, I'm not going to complain, but there's been very little time off since October or September 2019. Like, it's, this has been insane. Eating, losing all of last offseason and then half of this one, this is a grumpy hockey world as a result. Yeah. What is the running streak at? Because it's still ooh, going, right? It's still going. I think it's 457 days. It's in the 450s wow. for sure. Damn. Oh, wow. Good for you. What's Whoa. the average um, distance that you do? Like, is it the same every day? Do you switch it up? What do you do? So for my, when I did the full year, I averaged 11 K for 365 a day. It, I've Whoa. probably, I've definitely been running a little bit less since then. Um, so it would be down, but it's, it's still averaging over 10 K a day. I, I try to basically do 10, some days I feel frisky and go more, but then I've been kind of busy in July. So uh, I've, I've gone less a little bit more. When you were month. in Tampa, did you run like you ran, I assume, before the games? Like did you run by the arena, by the hotel? How did you do that? Yeah, and it was awful, Jesse. Like, you know, <laughs> not, not to complain, but it was so hot and so oh, muggy. Yeah. Like, oh, like no. I tried going at 6 a.m. I tried going at 6 p.m. Like there, there was no good time to run in Tampa. I mean, and it, it rains it's every day. Hot. It rains and every you, day in the summer. And you can't bring your phone because like it mm. could it could rain like biblical rain at any moment. And if you're somewhere where you can't hide, your phone's drowning. Uh, you know, it was just it was really it was that was one of the, the toughest times because every day was so, so hot. Um, but I, you know, I got it done. And <laughs> I also ran when it was, you know, a foot of snow a couple of days, too. So you, you just yeah. got to if you're going to run every day. You can't you can't be expecting good weather. So let me ask you this with, you know, we're, we're at the point now where we're just over a month away from players returning to camp, um, which is kind of crazy. Like it's, it's what, five, six weeks from right now. And, you know, normally the hockey world gets like a three month breather or at least a two month breather and then a way too long training camp. Um, the season's starting like a week later than it normally would. Uh, are, how's everybody going to handle that? How are the players going to handle that? How are the media going to handle that? Do, do you have like a, temperature check on what it's like inside the hockey world right now and how they're feeling about again it feels pretty compressed yeah there's a lot of burnt out people I, I i mean more behind the scenes i'm not saying the players aren't but i haven't heard that from any players but you know this has been tough on everyone i think every industry you'd probably find something similar if if you you know we're talking right now this this has been a difficult stretch i think this was a difficult season on teams definitely on players some of the restrictions not playing in front of fans again just you know, what a, what a couple years this will have been. I think that the, where there's hope, Adam, is that, you know, we're going to probably have fans in most of the buildings, if not all of them, come October. It's going to look closer to normal. The schedule is going to be killer, though. I mean, it looks like they're, they're going to Beijing to the Olympics, and so that means uh, more games compressed into a period of time here. They're still going to have an all-star game in Vegas before that. 
Oh, so the, there's just fewer days. You know, it's just a lot of games in fewer days. Like people might laugh because it's 186, you know, day give or take regular season. But every day you carve out, if, you, if there's a three day All Star break, you, you start to do the math. Like it, it just compresses things a little bit more. Um, so it, it's going to be a tough year, but I hope it's an exciting year with a new team in Seattle with fans back. And, and I mean, we've never, I've never seen off season like this. Like, I'm sure we'll get into this, but like, I, I can't remember who plays for what teams already. Like, it's just been like a tidal wave of transactions, trades, buyouts, what have you. And then the signings these past few days, you know, this is, this it's, it could make for a pretty exciting year, I guess is what I'm getting at. Just that all the change that's happened around the league. Well, so what's what's thrown you off the most or surprised you the most then? Um, what has made this offseason the most unique to you? I'd say the sheer number of moves, the trades too. You know, like there's always trade rumors around the draft because teams are starting to test the market, but there was a lot of deals, right? I mean, a lot of a lot of players actually got traded. Um, and, I, you know, we're still waiting on Jack Eichel trade, among others. So it, it, there's, I think there still will be more between now and mid-September when training camps open, uh, you know, that's, that's probably been the biggest thing. When it, when it comes to these last few days, I've been surprised at some of the contracts, obviously it was a really good free agency to be a, a defenseman of, of any caliber. I think the third pairing guys got paid more than I thought, you know, we've seen some of the high end guys probably get a little bit more money than I would have guessed. And, you know, basically all the restraint we saw in October, 2020, where it looked like free agency might be changing because a lot of players did get squeezed there. You know, it, it went out the window, um, you know, in these last few days. And, and that's, you know, it's fun, right? It's not my money. It's not your money. Uh, we, we might question the <laughs> sort of business decisions here, but I think it makes for a pretty fun and splashy offseason. And it's going to make sure that there's buyout waivers in, in coming years because I can guarantee you some of the contracts we've just seen signed will not get to their conclusion. There's just no way uh, with the, the money that was splashed around. Well, there was uh, it was a tweet from our buddy Justin Fisher who said there's a lot of GM signing that's the next guy problem contracts today, and it seemed yeah. it definitely seemed that way. But I, I I specifically when you talk about the squeeze last October, and then we'll get into this off season. But one of the most interesting guys from last off season, probably the the most interesting is Taylor Hall, and. You know, it's it's basically been rumored, and I don't know whether this has ever been confirmed, that he had some sort of seven-year offer from somebody and had a pretty high dollar amount, higher than what he got in Boston to re-sign, and that it just fell through. Like, there's been multiple outlets that have hinted at there might have been something else that, surprise, surprise, signing for a year in Buffalo wasn't his first choice. How do you think he feels about how things have gone? Like, you know, he got, he you know he ended up on the Bruins, which is great, and it seems like he's found a good home there. But there's a good chance that he's put millions of dollars or left millions of dollars on the table. Do you think he looks at it that way? Do you think he cares? How, how would, would that group, the Ferris group, handle that? And, and how, how are they talking about that? No, I don't think – I think he's actually really unique. So I'm just getting a call here. I'm going to stop. Okay. <laughs> um, I think he's really unique in terms of the free agents because he moved around, right, a bunch. Edmonton, mm-hmm. New Jersey, Arizona, Buffalo, Boston – I, he didn't want to move anymore. And so I, I think that he would have got more than four years and six million average had he gone to the free agent market and been willing to move again. You know, I, I think Taylor honestly wants to win. I know a lot of people say that, but, you know, he's made good money. He's had some big contracts. He's seen the other side of it, right? He's, he hasn't really played in very many playoff games. And so, you know, I think he's at the stage of his life and his career where he's focused on 
putting down some roots as much as you can as a pro athlete and, and trying to chase a cup. And so it, re- it went really well for him in Boston. I mean, everything that happened after that trade, he played great. Um, you know, we might quibble with the fact, like, I, I kind of see the Bruins as heading in the wrong direction, big picture. I'm not saying that next year there'll be a disaster by any stretch, but, you know, I wonder about, you know, how much longer Patrice Bergeron has left in his career. You know, as we're talking right now, David Krejci still hasn't signed. I think he's, you know, weighing his own future. Tukarask had hip surgery. He doesn't have a contract. It just feels like a lot of what made that team great for 10 years, you know, might be slipping through their fingers here. Um, so I, I don't see him as a problem. I, if, if I actually want to hold someone up, though, as like a difference between October to now, I'm looking at Cody Cece. And look, mm-hmm. I know this guy gets kicked around a lot online. That's not my intent here. But last October, I think he waited seven to 10 days to even get a contract at all in free agency. He signs a one-year deal in Pittsburgh, a little bit over $1 million. And, you know, this, t- this time around at 12.01, one minute into the thing, they're finalizing a four-year deal, $3.25 million. I mean, that's, that, that is the difference to me. It's, it's players of his ilk that, that, you know, aren't the best, absolute best players available. You know, those guys got squeezed last year. They had to wait. They had to take one-year deals you know, at, at lower money. And then it was back to the frenzy uh, come July, you know, late July, you know, players that are third pairing defensemen like he were, you know, got term and money, Tucker Pullman, 10 million, four years in, in Vancouver, like, like bless these guys. This is life-changing money. I, I'm not bemoaning that, but that's, that's where the difference was to me is, is those kind of guys had leverage and got big paychecks uh, in for agency in 2021. Well, uh, yeah, and it is interesting though the the lower end. I I did want to ask too. I mean, there's so much that we need to get to with you. Um, but we I got think time, man. We got nothing we got time. but time. Don't 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 rush. <laughs> well, so I guess I you know the the instinct I think is to start with the Leafs, but we're not going to start with the Leafs. Um, I think the the biggest story for free agency, at least for me, and Steve and Jesse can be like, what the hell are you talking about? Is what is going on with the Carolina Hurricanes, the Nadelkovich trade signing Freddie Anderson to a, you know, they call it a short-term deal, but three years is a long time. And two years. Two, or is it two years? Oh, is it two, two years? years. And yeah. then three for uh, Anti Ranta, wasn't it? Or was that two years as well? I can't I even think. I think that was two no, times two. two years as so, well. So regardless, it doesn't seem like they've saved a whole bunch of money in goaltending. Their final offer to Dougie Hamilton was, from what we've heard, Sarah Sivian said somewhere in the neighborhood of $6.2 million a season. Uh, David Pagnotta had it closer to seven. Um, but it was well under what he was going to get paid. It seems, and the Tony D'Angelo uh, uh, signing as well. What is what is the goal here with Carolina? Without, I wish I could ask the question better. But what are they working with in an internal cap? Uh, I thought Tom, Tom Dundon was flush with cash here. I'm not really sure what's going on. I think that the best way to put it is they don't spend money that they don't feel they have to spend, okay. and you know they make a lot of smart decisions as an organization. Like I I don't think anyone can get around that. If you look back at their trading history, like they have consistently found value in trades, you know, all the way back to getting like table Taravainen from Chicago when they were cap squeezed, you know, I I just think they've consistently, you know, improved around the margins and that's why they've become the team they have. I mean, obviously they have some special young players too, um, but they've, they've been efficient. And so they approached their goaltending that, Alex Nedeljkovic, I think there were still some concerns that, yes, he had a breakthrough season this year. I know he's trended in the right direction, former AHL goalie of the year, someone they know well. I think that they weren't ready to give him the big money. And so they're not afraid to trade someone like that, even though it opens them up, exposes them to, 
criticism, second guessing the, the potential of being wrong. I, you know, I think that they're comfortable doing that with Dougie Hamilton. I mean, they, they took the first, you know, the first salvo here was they said, Hey, go talk to the whole league for two months, like ahead of free agency because their, their bet or their calculation was that the market wouldn't be as good for him as, as maybe Dougie thought and that there was a chance he would come back to Carolina. And I think, you know, he was willing to, they, the money just was never going to be the kind of money he got in New Jersey. And so the, the, you know, I, I feel like we have to separate the Tony D'Angelo decision because that that really, you know, there's a separate conversation that has nothing to do with hockey. But if we're just talking about the hockey side of their offseason, I think they believe that they can let players walk, that they that they will hold a certain line. You know, they were only going to pay Rod Brindamore so much as head coach. He did come back. They've even done it with their broadcasters. Right. You know, uh, they lost John Forslund, who's you know one of the best play by play guys in the game. You know, he's in Seattle now. Um, you know, they, they just, they do things their own way and they're, they're betting on their efficiency. And so I think it's that simple. I, I, you know, Tom Dunnan has shown he'll spend when there's a reason to, he matched the Ajo offer sheet. Uh, they have a big decision, uh, right now on Spechnikov, who's a restricted free agent, but, you know, clearly is in line for a, a monster raise, you know, they'll spend it where they, they can, cause you're not replacing Spechnikov anywhere, but, you know, I think that they believe they can replace their goaltending and they can even, find ways around losing Dougie Hamilton that will cost him less money. Mm-hmm. Well, CJ, we really appreciate your time because the, the Svechnikov offer sheet has to be coming any moment now, right? <laughs> I, well, I don't think so. I think that's the beauty of matching the Ajo offer sheet in a sense. Like when Montreal tabled the offer sheet to Sebastian Ajo, they believed that Tom Dundon wouldn't match. Like they, they weren't doing that to just to try to mess things up there. They, they thought that, Carolina was a team that would be cheap and that they would just let them walk and take the draft pick compensation and move on. You know, obviously they matched within a day or even less and, and kind of made a statement in doing so. And so I think that's going to scare teams off of doing a Svechnikov. I mean, I actually think if we're talking offer sheets, like they should, it shouldn't be for the superstars necessarily, because I think teams more often than not will match on a superstar. It's, it's for the second tier talent, you know, a team like Tampa, you know, has been both last off season and this one, to me, more more vulnerable because you might give a guy like a $2 million contract in an offer sheet, which only costs a third-round pick, I believe, and Tampa might just be like, you know what, we can't keep him. Like, it's just the price. We, we, we're not able to hold on to him. Um, you know, could be a superstar, but I wonder even about Carter Hart in, in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Flyers have done a lot of spending. If you look at it right now, I don't have their, their, their Puckpedia or Cap Friendly page up right now, but I know they don't have a ton of money left for him. You know, maybe you come for him and he might be a superstar in the making, but he didn't have a superstar season. Like, I feel like we should be targeting maybe some of the less obvious names when it comes to uh, offer sheets. But obviously teams, they just they don't believe in it. It hasn't proven to be a good way to get players out of out of other teams. And so everyone just doesn't bother. Because, you know, they've done nothing and they're all out of ideas. Like, it's not like it happens <laughs> all the time. It's well, it hasn't proven to be good because it hasn't happened. I mean, it, right. And you got to compel a player to sign it. Right. Yeah. That, that, that is the flip side. Like last year, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm remembering Tampa, right. They, they had to sign Sergachev. They had to sign Chernak. They had to sign, um, Sorelli, Sorelli as well. Right. So they had all these RFAs plus, you know, they had their own tricky cap situation. Like you have to convince those guys coming off a of Stanley cup to sign an offer sheet with you and, and to leave Tampa, which, Let's face it, objectively is one of the best situations you could be playing in in the NHL. Just lifestyle, tax, weather, great team, great organization, great owner. You know, there's almost nothing not to like about being a Tampa Bay Lightning other than the fact 
some guys can't get fair market value just because of their cap situation. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I do think we're going to see it though. Like I'm still, there's like a, this much hope in me that we're going to start to see less true hockey people running teams. You know, we're starting to see that in a sense, like that, 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 Hockey isn't catching up fully to the other sports, but we've seen this, you know, in baseball, you got like NASA engineers running teams and stuff. I think that's going to come to hockey. And I think that those type of people will identify market inefficiencies and will maybe make offer sheets more of a thing than they have been in the last 10 years or so. Going around the league here with uh, a couple other teams who have made some signings, what do you make of the situation going on in Vegas right now where in the last, like, what is it, seven months they've lost Schmidt and they've lost Reeves and they've lost Marc-Andre Fleury and the players leaving there seem to have no uh, good things to say about the franchise and how their time was spent there. Do you think there's a problem there with them having too much turnover in their players and do you think it's a conversation amongst the guys? Well, it's certainly a bit of a conversation around the league. You know, and, and the organization makes no apologies for it. Like they're trying to win a Stanley Cup and it's it's a fine line, right? Because they've won so many games. They keep building a great team. They've been aggressive through trades and in free agency. Like, I feel like if you're a fan, other than the fact you might have bought a jersey of a player who's now playing somewhere else and you're disappointed to see your favorite guy go, you know, this is sort of what fans demand of their teams is they're, they're literally turning over every stone they can to win a Stanley Cup. And, but there's there's a price to that, right? I mean, first of all, there's no guarantees you win a cup, of course. But secondly, is is there is a reputational factor there. But, you know, I think it's a reasonable bet that guys are going to want to keep playing in Vegas. You know, it's it actually reminds me of Tampa. has all the same benefits. It's a great place to live, a uh, great place to, to be, you know, for your family in terms of weather and, and the school setup and the tax situation is favorable. The team's great. It's an awesome building, great fan base. I mean, you know, I, I think guys are still going to want to play there. Um, but, you know, they're, they're pushing the envelope in some ways. You know, the Flurry situation, too, though, maybe hasn't been discussed in its full nuance either. I mean, um, you know, a decision was made where, you know, Alan Walsh's agent tweeted out the, the picture on Twitter when he wasn't uh, starting the games in the bubble in, in 2020. And the organization didn't forget that. You know, I'm not here to say who's right and wrong in that situation, but it, it you know wasn't. It's not fair to say that there there weren't some shots lobbied back and forth, and you know it was evidence to me of of two sides. You know, I think Mark Andre Fleury clearly loved playing in Vegas. I think he performed great for the team by and large, but you know it wasn't a, a completely happy marriage. So you know, I'm not surprised that they chose Robin Leonard over Fleury. Also, just he's younger and he signed for more years at a lower cap hit, and so you know part of that is is just projecting out a, you know, sort of medium term for their, their roster building. So, you know, there, there's a fine line there, but you're right. Clearly there's not a lot of loyalty, um, but this is pro sports. And I think there's not a lot of loyalty in a lot of places, if we're being honest about the way decisions are made and some of the things that go down, look at Minnesota, you know, with Ryan Suter um, and, you know, in, in particular, I think Zach Parise was probably welcoming the, the change of, of locale, whereas Ryan Suter didn't really want to be bought out. I mean, this, it doesn't end. It doesn't end too well for too many players in this league. I think that's just just a fact. To to combine the two conversations there between Carolina and Vegas, there's a disconnect here that's not making sense to me. Like right. uh, about the market, they were spending. They being teams spending money like drunken sailors in free agency, but the goalie market was so poor for some reason that Nedeljkovic, who was nominated for the Calder, was traded for a third round pick. 
And Marc-Andre Fleury, the reigning Vezina winner, was traded for a fifth-round pick from 2018. Did either of those things shock you? Because it's obvious that cap space is valued there. That's the message being sent from those deals. But it's completely different from the message being sent in free agency. Yeah, there's a dissidence. You're right. It's just like it doesn't all completely add up. And frankly, those trades were made leading into free agencies so that they had more cap space to spend on free agents, um, which is, you know, kind of strange. I mean, look, the Vegas situation, there's not many goalies making seven million, right, as Marc-Andre Fleury is. Now, he's performing up to being among the best goalies in the league, even if even if you don't think he should have won the Vezina, he was without question a top five goaltender last year, top three goaltender, whatever. Like, yes. like even if you want to quibble with the way the GMs voted for that award, you know, he was, he was tremendous last season um, and has been tremendous for the bulk of whatever, 16, 17 years in the NHL. Um, but very few teams could take on a $7 million goalie or, or were willing to. Vegas didn't want to eat money on them because obviously they still have their own cap. Like even as of now, they might be above the cap. So they still have to make further moves even after trading away Ryan Reeves for just a draft pick. So, um, you know, that one makes sense. The Nadelkovich one is interesting because that's, that's more of a philosophical decision. Like with Vegas, I think we can all kind of understand it even as much as Flurry was the face of the franchise. Like it, as I mentioned, it wasn't the smoothest relationship behind the scenes. He is 36, 37, 7 million is a lot to pay for a goalie. And so I can see where they're just like addition by subtraction for them in that regard with Carolina, you know, what it was in the contract, 3.2 million in Detroit, something like that. Uh, you know, that's three, three flat, three flat. There you go. So that's a decision not to pay him 3 million and he's 25 and he's just come off a season where, you know, he ended up becoming their starter. He also passed through ravers quite recently too. So, I mean, Look, That's it's oh, goaltending is is voodoo uh, a little bit. <laughs> um, if I remember correctly, he they claimed Anton Forsberg from Edmonton in training camp because they were putting Nedeljkovich on waivers the next day, and they wanted to have a third goalie. So he started last season as Carolina's third goalie, and so you know I just think that they don't fully believe in him as as a starter, like a, a guy that they could count on to play fifty games next year for a team trying to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, it might be a bad bet, but the flip side of that, of course, is they've had him in their organization for years. They know him probably better than anybody, and that's the decision they made. So I was surprised in in a, in a little bit, but also I kept hearing they weren't going to give him a qualifying offer. They were just going to let him become a free agent because they were worried about his arbitration case. So, um, yeah, but I can't explain how all this fits together because I, I think <laughs> okay. I think Good. I think the league's like like that's sort of what you're asking, right? I think the league yes. has been, dr- been drunk for ten days, honestly. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's it's like on one hand, we saw what more trades for nothing than I've ever seen. Like more just like we're setting this guy. We're not even going to call it future considerations. It's just like we're trading this guy and draft picks, and that's it. Yeah, um, for nothing, which I didn't think you were allowed to do. Yeah, but I guess you are. Right for nothing, so that became like a trend. There was a lot of buyouts, and then there was a lot of big contracts handed out. So like, it doesn't all really add up. But as I say, I think it makes it fun. I mean, it's it was pure chaos these last ten days. Two hundred and six NHL players signed a new deal in the last three days. <laughs> oh my wow! God. Wow! Yeah. Or Where'd at least extension that? or update. That's from Cap Friendly. That's what the signings in the last three days is two hundred and six contracts. Man. 
Well, I mean, if you do if you do twenty five players per team, and now we have thirty two teams, right? That takes you to my math will not be quick enough on this, but eight hundred players basically, nine hundred players at the most. Like that's that's a huge number, (laughs) quarter of the league. Yeah, that's crazy. So, Chris, let me ask you this: Um, you know, you had to cover it up close, so sometimes you can get too close to the painting to see the full picture. You've had a couple days to digest because you were just. I saw it. You know, you and Frank and Elliot just churning it out on uh, on uh, free agency and I, it was funny because i i was like really they're gonna go to the jays game now because this is the best free agency we've ever seen um so thankfully i have my 360 subscription oh can't hear you can't hear you we've lost you we've lost you can you that's hear probably best can oh, you hear me now oh, right. well, yeah, yeah what did yeah, you yeah. say <laughs> i said are you trying to walk me in and say something that i'm gonna regret about no not at all not at all <laughs> no i just i just i was i was surprised i'm like i know live sports trumps all but like this is the best free agency we've ever 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 seen now um uh based on what you've seen and you've had a few days to digest which is my original point who's the big winner who's the big loser who 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 did the best? And I'm not just talking about free agency. It can be how they handled Seattle, how they handled the draft. You know, the last, you know, since the Stanley Cup was awarded, what's the team for you that you've been like, I'm really impressed? So I think the teams that didn't spend like crazy are, the, are kind of my winners. Toronto like, Maple I, Leafs. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> let's, let's save that one. We'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. But like, 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 so, okay this actually is a little bit invalidating my point. I liked what New Jersey did. Like they spent big on Dougie Hamilton, but I love that addition for them. You know, they add Luke Hughes in the draft. Like, I think that that's an organization that's going to take a step forward. Now they've been a long way away the last couple of years from being competitive. So of course, you know, they're still, I'm not saying they're going to win a Stanley cup, but like, I think this has been a good two weeks for the New Jersey devils. I think it's been a good couple of weeks for the Columbus blue jackets. And I, I'm sure we can get into the Wierenski contract. A little on the high side, but like the what they got back and trading some players away, and the way they position themselves moving forward, and keeping Wierenski for all of his twenties. Like I think the key distinction everyone on Twitter missed is they literally just bought his best years and didn't buy any crappy years on the end. And so yes, the contract's high, but they have them. Kale McCarr. Okay, but Kale McCarr is younger, and so. Colorado was buying more of his restricted free agent years with the implication there is that his UFA years are worth much more than nine and a half. Right. And he, and so I'm not saying I didn't like the kill McCarr contract, but mm-hmm. like, I just think the distinction people miss is like, literally they just bought his twenties. Like that's when you want to have players locked up. Yes. It's a little bit high, but they kept another star from leaving their city at a time when I think they have to push back against that narrative and that idea. And to me, they didn't overcommit themselves to the wrong years of his career. Like if they, if they paid him that till he was 35, I'd be like disaster. Like that's, right. that's trouble. Um, but this, I think it's a smart decision for them. So I like them. I actually like what Arizona did quite honestly. Um, they, they took advantage of this weird period in time where so many teams are cap squeezed and they got two first round picks and five second rounders plus a whole bunch of other crap. I know they're going to be terrible. Five, five, five second five. rounders in the, in the 2022 Here. draft. That's great. The, like they, Arizona. They, sorry, go ahead. The, let's face it. The teardown part of a rebuild is the easy part. Like I get this because they have to make good decisions with those picks and all that. But like they weaponize their cap space the way like I think any team that's been adrift, like that's what you should want your, your franchise to do because they still have players they can trade out. And I think they're still going to sign for agents on one year deals that they're trading at the deadline. Like they have restocked the cupboards and they were aggressive at this great moment in time when no one else was doing it. I, I, I think it's a good two weeks for them. 
Uh, now they have to make a lot of good decisions, whether this works or not. And let's face it, that organization's had a lot of stops and starts, but I, I like their off season. Um, who didn't I like? Well, anyone that was spending drunken sailorly is likely in for some trouble. So I, care, I have care to name names. Well, I just got to think through it in my brain. You know, I got to, I wonder about Edmonton. I, I like the Hyman signing. I really do. Even at the number, even at the term, I, I think it's a smart bet for them. I think that people, I think in a lot of ways, Zach was underappreciated. I know by not you guys as Leafs fans, but maybe in Toronto in general, you know, he was always like the fifth fiddle, right? Because there was all these shiny toys around him. Um, and I think in some ways, maybe that led to him being a little underappreciated for what he does. But I, I, wor- I worry about where their defense is at after losing Adam Larson. You know, their right side now, they have Bouchard, who's yeah, very young, Barry and, and CeCe. I could just see that not going well. And then they didn't upgrade in, in net. And I know that they were right in on Darcy Kemper up until the end. Um, but look, they had a lot of holes to fill, and, I, and, and that's tough to do in free agency. Um, without making mistakes. But, you know, I just wonder, they definitely improved their forward group in my eyes, and that was badly needed. Even Derek Ryan, like, I just, it's it's going to be a better top 12, but everything after that, I'm just like, ooh, you know, this might not age well. I, I want to support. I want to support a couple of your points, and then I have a couple questions because Arizona has four firsts over the next three drafts, eight seconds. <laughs> And five thirds. That's I've never I've never seen five picks in the same round uh, on cap friendly. I've never seen them had to have to stack. They have to stack the way it's displayed. It's uh, it's and unbelievable. That's going to go up too because of the trade deadline. They'll dump a few more. Yeah, probably. That's so sure. Like one hundred percent for sure. They're going to assign guys that can be flipped. They're still going to try to trade oh, yeah. Phil Kessel. I think Christian Dvorak might be traded. Like anything that isn't nailed down there is is in play. It's gone. Um, well, and. But you know what? If you've been as lost as they've been, like I think it's the only way to attack it. Like I, I think, like I'm making some light of it, but this this is actually a plan, right? Yeah. This is the start of a plan. And They're bad on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and they got Shane Wright maybe coming. It's like if they get the first overall pick next year and they get Shane Wright and they make good drafting, like we're going to be talking about them totally differently in a, a year and a half's time, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is this is how you do it. Like get aggressive lean into being crappy and maximize everything you can at a time when the whole league is looking for cap space. Like they did an awesome job in that OEL trade. I think like from their Mm -hmm. perspective, I get why Vancouver did it. Like they unloaded most of his contract. Like they're in such a better position today than they were at the start of, you know, the month. Yeah. And worker bees like Roussel and Beagle, you're telling me no one's going to want them at the deadline. Shut up. (laughs) Someone's going to give them. Give them picks for that. And all those picks, I mean, uh, they're going to have to support Austin Matthews somehow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wait, you're Zach Wierenski. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think well, they're, they're preparing. going. I think, yeah, they're going to make a run at him for sure. Yeah. Your Zach Wierenski point reminds me so much of Thomas Vanek years ago with Buffalo because they right. lost Briere and they lost Drury and they finally, they put their foot down and they said, no, not this one. We're, we're keeping this guy. Except Vanek signed an offer sheet with Edmonton and they had to match it. Oh, that's right. And it was absurd money at the time. And they would have got four firsts and they would have been Edmonton around the 2010s firsts. Ooh. We should do, you should do like a trade tree version of that, Steve. Like look at what that would have looked tree. like. What it would have looked. Tree. Oh, it would have been like, I, I got to go back. I think I did it that's once. What I mean. It would have been like Jordan Eberle, 
Ryan Nugent Taylor Hopkins. Hall. Wow. Like it would have been Taylor Hall. It would have been Yakupov, I think. It might have been Yakupov. It would have been unbelievable. I want to know the alternate universe of what could have been for Buffalo if they'd let him walk. Yeah. You got wow. it, buddy. Uh, yeah, I'm that's on it. great. <laughs> um, and, Chris, and any last, other any other sorry, teams? That, sorry, Steve. I just was going to ask if, if there's any other teams, but keep going with your point if you need to. The, the last thing I was going to say is uh, Koskinen getting traded is like, it's a done deal, right? Is it? To Buffalo? Like, it just seems like, just kiss already. Like, it's, it seems no. like the perfect match. <laughs> I, th- I think that <laughs> ship has sailed, actually. Really? Yeah, I think the plan is to start the season with Smith and Koskinen as their two goalies. Okay, Why? but Buffalo's, Buffalo's going to start with Dell and Anderson? Yeah, and, and my, something else might shake free, but <laughs> that, I think that that's – I mean, Dell got a two-way deal, so he's their third goalie, I think. I, I mean, I don't know. It, Anderson look, Tukarski? I, uh, I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not comfortable saying anything is done, done, but, but you know, there was some talk uh, with Edmonton and Buffalo on Koskinen. I think that was all tied, though, if they were going to be able to get Kemper – and they were going to trade Koskinen in a separate um, trade, but now that that didn't happen, I'm, I'm. It's my understanding Edmonton's just going to roll with Koskinen and Smith to start the year and make adjustments as needed. Do they lose Staylock on waivers when the year starts? Because they have three goalies right now. They probably well. Who knows? You can usually get goalies through if you do it right. Mm-hmm. I think I think the strategy is to put your third goalie on waivers early in camp before teams have made decisions or allowed their guys to get injured in a preseason game or whatever. Obviously, you're rolling the dice by that, but I, there's a world he gets through. I mean, Nedeljkovic got through last year. And yeah. look, like, how many teams could have used that claim uh, a little bit more effectively? So I, I think he could get through, but it all depends on time. Who else didn't you like? Jog my memory. Who made really obviously? Did you like decisions? Vancouver switching, flipping all of their signings from last offseason, this season? And I did because I think, I think it was a realistic way to approach their problem. Like they backed themselves into a corner with a lot of bad decisions. They've they've delayed the pain here. Like I think they're definitely a better team next season. Doesn't mean they're going to have cap issues again in future years. But you know, if you're talking about GMs that aren't guaranteed to be there long term, I think Jim Bett falls into that that category, you know, they, they left themselves room now to get Quinn Hughes and, and Elias Pedersen signed. Like I, I, I like their off season from, from where they were to where they got to. I like it, but they really just delayed the pain. It's like me. It's like, you know, young CJ procrastinating every work or school assignment, like always perpetually. Like I feel like they're procrastinating the really bad years, but at least it's not going to be next season. It's going to be three years from now or whatever. Um, I think there, well, there are a couple teams that spend, spent wildly, uh, but there's a team that I've been particularly hard on and you're wearing their, their t-shirt, uh, the Preds, like, did you see anything that makes you believe they're going in one direction or the other, or are they a first and out team again? Well, I mean, I think what they did leading up to free agency leads me to believe they're moving into a rebuild. Honestly, I mean, trading Ellis, trading Arvidsson, mm-hmm. um, you know, those are key pieces from the year this was a media giveaway, the 2017 Stanley Cup final, was it, or 2016? Yeah, 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 16, 16, Seven. we were all there. 17. 17. 16, 16 oh, was San Jose. I was at yeah, both. <laughs> I was at both. <laughs> <laughs> hey, shit, Adam. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Can I, seven, can I tell you a story about this T-shirt? Yeah, please. So they gave us this to all the, like they, there was a selection of national related t-shirts they gave to the media during that cup final. And like, obviously in public, I don't 
wear team gear really for any team other than like the Blue Jays or something. And so that summer, I think it was just like a bad laundry day. And so I throw it on one day. It's like middle of summer, whatever. And I walk out of my apartment and go like two blocks and I bump into Frankie Corrado. And Frankie was on Pittsburgh as a black ace, like in that cup final. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's just like three weeks after the cup final ends and I'm walking around, you know, wearing a t-shirt for the team that he just played in the cup final. Like it just was funny. Like, Frankie's a good nature guy, but it's like, you know, that's kind of awkward. And then literally the next time I wore it was like a month later, probably the same situation. And I walk out, no joke, like one more block further from my house, three blocks instead of two. And I walked by PK Subban on the street. <laughs> now, <laughs> now I, I didn't talk, I didn't talk to PK. I don't know if he saw it. I don't even know if he would recognize me or know who I am um, or anything, but I'm like, I'm never wearing this t-shirt in public again, because <laughs> every time I do, I'm seeing a member of the Predators or someone who just played them in the cup final wearing it. So maybe I'll regret wearing it on this podcast. But Well, well you never know who's watching, which from we hear is uh, from what we've heard anyway, it's more than we thought. Um, right. and, uh, so oh, yeah, did you guys get in trouble? Anyway, no. uh, well, <laughs> I have, no. I have uh, two more trouble. teams I wanted to ask about. This is a house of honesty, guys. What's uh, going on? What are you, what are you uh, holding back by? <laughs> you just hear things from time to time. That's all. Um, okay. Jesse, go ahead. So two more teams I wanted to ask about. One was Philly. What do you think of uh, moving out Goss's Bear, bringing in uh, Ristolainen and Martin Jones Ellis. and Ryan Ellis? Yeah, what do you think of their moves, especially on the decor? Oh, man, it's a hard one to make. Like, I get why they looked at last season or like, we got to change the core here, right? Like, they trade away Voracek, too, and, mm-hmm. and get Cam Atkinson. Um, like, something wasn't right there after they had a pretty good run in the Toronto bubble and, you know, last summer. So I, I like that that approach, I actually don't, I don't hate what they did. Like the wrist and what they paid was probably more than I'd be comfortable paying, but you know, other teams were, they were in the right market there. I, I think that they, they could emerge from this better, but it, it's kind of a big pile of, I don't know for me, to be honest. Like, I, I don't think it's blatantly horrible, but it's also some strange decisions. And, and, you know, I think it highlights maybe some of the challenges of trying to get better in free agency is that you gotta, you know, you gotta take some big swings at players you're, you're not sure about. And so that's why I do think some of the teams that were in a position not to have to be getting too aggressive right now, as much as that is boring or less interesting, I think that, that in some ways, you know, you might be in a better off because you're more likely to make a mistake if you're out here, you know, swinging the bat as hard as they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and my last I'm, I'm, team. Oh, oh go ahead. sure. I was oh, going to say, my last team was uh, Calgary. What do you think? Yes. Bring- Tell mm. me about and- Calgary. <laughs> they yes. bring in Chris Tanev and um, they Blake Markstrom. Coleman. And they, and they, Markstrom, they, uh, is the, really their only goalie right now. And then they lose their captain. And we expected wholesale changes in Calgary. And that doesn't seem to be happening. I think they changed more than you think. Yeah. They, they did change a fair bit. But what's interesting is they're, you know, it sounds like they're talking with Johnny Goodrow about an extension, not so much exploring the trade market on them. I mean, I think the issue they have is their best players that they might look to trade away are not at their highest value point. Like, even if they were to entertain, I know there's lots of smoke around Matthew Kachuk, like he's not coming off his best season. So it's, it's somewhat depressed asset in his case. I think clearly Sean Monaghan and Johnny Goodrow are, you know, from where they were a few years ago, they're just getting older and 
they've been less productive. Things haven't gone well for the team in this last year. So, you know, it's probably harder to get good value for them. I think that they're in a really difficult spot as an organization um, because they haven't fully embraced sort of like a rebuild type of situation. And, and I, it's getting there at some point, right? Like that's, I, I think that's the question for me with Calgary is like, okay, we know you're going to have to rebuild. Like how long can you delay the inevitable or the pain, you know, but when you're signing, you know, they signed Markstrom was it six years last, last summer mm-hmm. and then six years for Coleman. Like they're not behaving like a team that's, you know, entertaining a rebuild anytime soon. Um, I can still see them being better. Like I, I picked them to win the, the North division, which shows you how much you should pay attention to my preseason predictions. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I thought the last couple of years prior to this one, they were the best team in Canada. that didn't get enough goaltending. Then they got Markstrom. I was just thinking they're poised to do something. Like I find that they're very confounding. Um, but I still think those should be decent and they're in a division. Let's call it as it is like that, that Pacific division. I think it's right there for almost anybody. I mean, Vegas yeah. with the, the powerhouse in it, but you know, I, I think if you're in the Pacific, it makes sense to be really aggressive because you could go on a run and win two rounds. I, I don't think you should feel bad about the Calgary pick because to me, the, that was the, their standings results versus their roster had the biggest discrepancy. Like they, they shouldn't have been as bad as they were. And when it comes to the Gaudreau thing, it reminds me of what we said about line A preseason. Either trade him now or make a commitment to him. Like, I've been on the trade Johnny Gaudreau train for a while, but a commitment to him is at very least a decision. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's a very least a decision. They had the chance, and now it's a. I I believe that's kicked in now, and and so it's going to be a lot harder to trade him. So make a decision. You know, If, if the decision is extend him, great. At least you've made a choice. You right. I mean? And I think what's, what's interesting with him is there's always been this notion that he wanted to get back to the, the New Jersey Philly area where he grew up, you know, is he willing to commit to them? You know, and I don't, I don't have that answer. I mean, obviously they're having trade, they're trade uh, contract discussions. So he's at least willing to entertain his, his options there and see what the market might be. But um, I think, I think both sides kind of have to make a commitment or not in this one. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and I don't know because Johnny's pushed back about that, but it's it's just been loud enough that there there must be somebody saying that, or enough people are saying that there there might be some element of truth, and and I don't think we can blame them. Just as you know, when when players have come back and played in Toronto in their hometown or whatever, like I, I think it's totally fine when you have that ability and free agency to make a decision for your family that that might be different than in the organization's best interest. But I'm I'm just curious to see how that works out because both sides kind of a decision in my eyes. The uh, another one we mentioned, and I swear all the Leaf fans were like, "Come on, talk about the Leafs. We'll get to them." Uh, the Florida Panthers have made. You just want to make sure they listen to the whole pod. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna slice it up and put it up anyway, so they'll see it. But my my thing is that the Florida Panthers made some perplexing moves, and you know they they had found money with Sam Bennett, uh, and then they and but they resigned. And then they him. gave it to him. <laughs> they gave him a lot of money, and then hey, Sam, we found this money. A year out from having to give Carter Verhege money, because I believe he's got another year left at a million, they were like, we're going to extend you and give you four per season. Uh, Florida's wild with the contracts. They won't sign the goalie that did well for them last year. I know they've got Spencer Knight, but he's sort of an unknown quality, uh, quantity. What is the plan there? It, it, you know, is, is, is it a safe bet? Carter Verhege at four million? Are we sure? It's not a safe bet, but... It- I don't mind that one so much. I mean, to me, that's rewarding a player. Like they signed him to a very valued deal. He was delivered on it. You know, he was kind of overlooked a little bit in Tampa. Like that's, I, I like rewarding your own guy because I do think that 
in this case, he's likely to live up to it. I mean, there's there's enough of a sample there that I think it's pretty clear he's an offensive driver. And if he's playing in offensive minutes with certain line mates, I mean, I think he's going to produce. And, and that's what we saw this year. So that one doesn't bother me. I think the danger with the Sam Banga contract is, you know, he had like 108 PDO or something after the trade. Like you just, you didn't see, he had a, he had a tough season in Calgary. And then, you know, there might've been some shooting luck just involved in the small sample. You saw him with the Panthers. And so you might be paying for that high performance, but I actually don't mind Florida's off season. You know, like they managed to move Anton Strallman out. Like I think Bill Zito is showing himself in a year as a GM to be pretty effective. He's certainly unafraid to take a big swing. And, and really the biggest question for the organization now is what happens with Barkov, right? He's, he's one year out from unrestricted free agency. And obviously based on the kind of player he is, he, he's in a position for a huge deal. You know, I'm curious to see how that's approached if they're able to get him to get on a long-term commitment, if they can afford that, how that looks. But I, I see the Panthers as like a real rising team in the league. And, you know, even moving on from Keith Yandel, like I, I like their blue line, the goaltending, you know, Bob has not lived up to his contract, obviously, but I, I think that that's a really good team. And it's probably one of the reasons Leaf fans out there should be most nervous is that the Atlantic is getting better around them and they, they are treading water at the moment. So um, I, I don't hate their off season, but I agree. Those contracts might've, the contract of Ben, might be a little aggressive, but to me, it's still a movable deal. And, and, you know, they didn't pay them so much that it, there's an implied no move clause there. Like, I, I still think that that they can trade him if that doesn't work out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so I guess we got to ask the question, you know, we criticize Vegas for turning over every stone. Let's move to a team that will turn over no stones. We're not going to look at this. We're not going to change anything. We are going to, we're going to throw a few more pebbles in the pond and that's what we're going to do. It has set up the Leafs to be one of the more interesting stories this year. Not that they're not already, but this doubling down on a team that has failed for five straight years in the first round or the play-in round. What did you think of their offseason so far? I mean, it's obviously, you know, there's still a couple months before the season starts again, so we're going to keep that in mind. But what you've seen so far, CJ, are you impressed? I'm impressed with their conviction. (laughs) You know. That's a choice. That's a choice. It is a choice, and it's what they said they were going to do two days after the season, and every time Kyle Dubas hasn't been in front of a hot mic since. And they, and he has been a man of his word. So I think that I go back and I know everyone's sort of bored of this because it's almost played out, but I go back to what Brendan Shanahan said in 2015, the problem in Toronto isn't to have the plan. The problem is to stick to the plan and they are sticking to their plan. And I actually, I agree with that approach. Now I think we can get into the weeds here and, and I'm fully willing to on whether they've made the right plan and, and whether they bet on the right guys and all that stuff. Like I think that there's a fair conversation to be had there, but if I listen to even just my buddies or to people that always want to offer me their opinion on the Leafs, like 
every day it's like, you got to trade this guy. You got to do this. And like, it, that would be no way to operate any team if you're just a prisoner of the moment and you're reacting emotionally. And so I do think it's been a good off season in terms of laying out what their vision is and delivering on it. And so nothing has surprised me. Like I think, cause you know, I've been saying that Hyman was going to go. I was saying that right after the season and he went and, and you know, I, I kept saying like, they're not, in like people were trying to like link them to all these guys, Landis Cobb and all this stuff. And I was like, that's just not happening. Like, I don't know what universe those rumors are coming from other than maybe an agent wanting the, the Toronto, you know, to get a little bit or, of player out of his Or Sir Valley saying that D'Angelo might be a fit in Toronto. Did he say that? that? Was surprised. Yeah, apparently he did. I, on, that, uh, uh, on his podcast. Yeah. It was like, oh, that's a, uh, that. And we were kind of like, I don't think I never, so. That doesn't line up with what I know and what I've heard, but I, I don't, I, I, I never heard that if that was okay. the case. He might've sure. just been spitballing. Right. Yeah. Cause they but always say- need a right-handed guy, but right-handed. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> Handedness. That's what I was talking about. <laughs> what? Oh, you Steve, you're I was talking about. Handedness. <laughs> <laughs> Their power play was bad. He could anyway. So the Leafs. Yeah. But but I do think so I, I think that there's something to be said for them sticking to the plan. And and the only thing that I found interesting, and not to parse his words, because we need the GM to speak publicly, but you know, Kyle Dubas did say, I think just before the entry draft when he spoke to the reporters, for better or for worse, you know, I'm sticking with these are my guys, I believe in them. And yes, it's just two words for worse, but it does imply that there is at least some doubt creeping in. And you know, I think that would be fully reasonable, rational. I think that that's why we've seen such an emotional response from people that love this team, like you guys, like Steve, is that there's, there's now doubt there and, you know, they didn't go out and do anything big to, you know, ease your concerns. Um, and it's pretty clear if Kyle's ready to go down with the ship, if, if the ship's going to go down. Um, maybe, maybe a smaller move. Um, so they lose Bogosian wants to go to Tampa where it's nice and they win. And also he didn't like the restrictions and all that. So they got Dermot in potentially that third pair right slot, but Eric Engels reported that Yanni Hockenpah got basically um, where did he say he signed in Dallas, right? Yeah. And they offered him 1.5 million per year, which is exactly Travis Dermott's cap hit. Um, what's going on there? You think they end up moving this guy? Travis? Yeah. Not at this point. I mean, maybe if they can find a replacement. I, I think, you know, right now you've got Sandine, Lilligren, and Dermot essentially as the bottom, th- like the five, six, seven. Um, not I'd be sur- it's not bad, but I also think they wouldn't want to make it any weaker because, you know, there's going to be injuries and things like that, 82-game season. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, look, Dermot was exposed to Seattle in expansion. They, they are – even just by making that move, they were willing to lose him. You know, his place here long-term is far from secure. Uh, but I don't think they're looking to move him. I, you know, I still think he's good value at one and a half million, which is probably how Kyle Dubas looks at it. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's a long way of saying he's not here 100% for sure, but I don't think they mind having him. And at that cap number, I think that's perfectly fine for him as a third pairing D. Yeah, speaking of expansion, there were some things that, uh, we clearly agreed with with the Leafs some things that look maybe dumb at the time and look pretty smart now. I think you were in the camp of 
well, they just got Jared McCann. Surely they're not going to lose him. What was, what was your reaction to that saga? And then afterward, I want to get into Justin Hall. I didn't mind the move to, to get him and to insulate themselves. Like, like I, I'd always heard that the Vegas or sorry, Vegas Seattle was interested in, in Kerfoot. I, I think their interest was legitimate way back a long time ago. Um, I, as much as I, I see like Steve Birch and lots of people out there saying like, there's no way you can protect Justin Hall and you can replace him so easily. Like unless Yanni Hockenpah, for example, was coming here, which he wasn't. I mean, look, there's like six fins in Dallas. I think he's very comfortable joining his countrymen there again, tax-free state. Like there's lots of benefits to Dallas. Um, I don't think that I didn't see that many clear replacements for Justin Hall that could, that went for less money than he makes in free agency. There might really Hockenpah might be the, the start and end of the list. And so I think that they protected an asset that they can, that was going to be harder to replace essentially. I don't think it's a statement that Hall is necessarily more valuable than McCann might be, but it's, it's like, look, we're still, we're on day three for agency as we're recording this. There's still players out there that I, that I know the Leafs were interested in that I think can fit into the kind of role that, that McCann would have played on this team. And so I didn't have any problem with it. I was just more surprised they didn't work out a side deal to ensure that Kerfoot was gone. Um, you know, that's that was always what I assumed. I assumed that there was going to be a side deal we hadn't heard about after that move just because it kind of pointed to that. Turns out Seattle didn't make any side deals because they were asking so much of, of, of the teams. And so ultimately you give up a seventh-round pick and Philip Hallander is a B-level prospect to protect that, that area. You know, I, I don't – I think with hindsight – it's hard to really quibble. It's just a lot of people would rather McCann be here than Kerfoot, I think, among the fan base. But at least they didn't lose both of them. Adam, do you have any questions about side deals? <laughs> well, I, my, my opinion, Chris, is that because Seattle didn't get anybody across the line that they asked too much and made a mistake in not reevaluating their price. And I'm not saying you just you sell low, but you should be weaponizing the cap space that they have. And maybe, they, you know, they probably still can. What have they got? 20 million left? But it seems as though you had the opportunity to gain those picks now and in the next draft, um, and they didn't do it. Is your sense of things that they really thought people would pay that price, or was the price set that way so that teams, like, they'd be shocked if any team actually paid it? I think they they more made comfort w- with the idea that they're trying to be really good in three or four years than next year. So and then why? Sorry, you establish a high price, meaning it's sort of like I'm not selling my house to you unless you pay me so much money that I have to. Um, and so I think what I, I know what you're thinking here is like why I don't I don't think they wanted to get into that that game just yet of leveraging everything just to like get all these draft picks like. I think that they they've much more valued protecting their cap space and getting the players that they wanted. And let's face it too. It was a totally different environment and I'm not even talking about the pandemic and everything. It just, I think other teams were way more skittish about making deals and trying to galaxy brain this thing. And so they were, they were operating from a weak position that way. And I think that they were maybe hoping one or two teams would, would bend, but you know, if you just got into like, okay, you're not going to pay me a first for this guy. Well, I'll just take a sixth. And if you establish the market at a sixth, I mean, what are six round picks? Let's face it, are not worth very much. So, you know, I I find there's the strategy doesn't look as good coming out of the expansion draft as I thought it might, but I'm still hesitant to like 
rail on them because we've seen them make a couple subsequent trades. I still think they'll make more trades from their D pool here. And, you know, having that cap space is going to mean something too. And so I don't, I don't hate their expansion draft. I'm just still not sure how it all, like why it went down as it did. Mm-hmm. They're almost too incomplete to evaluate. Like, yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. there are still some like Bayreuther? Quenville? <laughs> like but there's see, some really confusing picks. But Bayreuther, the, the, the decision is basically they didn't want Max Domi, right? Like right. Max Domi is the other player available. You have to pick a player from every team. Yep. By Bayreuther, they picked. So that was their pick. And then they just didn't sign him. And so that, that – means that they didn't take on anyone from Columbus they didn't really want. And they obviously didn't want Max Domi at his cap number. And so I, I think that that's how you have to evaluate all those decisions. Like I think uh, Vegas took the goalie JF Barube, I want to say, and didn't sign him like essentially a net neutral pick. They, they took that on was a side deal though. Right. But like the point yeah. is, is that, and they, they picked Connor Brickley from Carolina and didn't sign him. Um, you know, like my point is, instead of taking someone from every team that you don't like, they just, in some cases, they basically punted on a team. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was Quenville. So I guess the question is, should they have taken Zadorov, right? Because he's since been traded um, to Calgary. And I think it was a third round pick they got, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah. It was, uh, so, I think it was the Leafs' third round pick. So would it have been better? Yeah, for Riddick. That's right. So it, yeah. would it have been better to take a Zadorov and try to flip him for a third yourself or not? Obviously, they took John Quenville, who they're not signing. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that, that to me, maybe there's more criticism to be levied there than the side deal that didn't happen on the draft because I don't think many teams really want to make those. Back to the Leafs. Yes. The two UFAs <laughs> that I'm looking at are probably the front runners to join the team Nick Ritchie and Andre Kasha. Do you see them as, as the guys who could be, play in Toronto next season? And if it's not to, those, to uh, either of those guys, who else do you see coming over? You know, Richie's an interesting one. Like, I heard that he was in the Leafs' offices since free agency, like getting a tour or whatever, talking to the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, obviously, that would suggest there's some mutual interest there. The one thing I wonder about is, can they afford him? Like, I don't know that the Leafs are in his price bracket. And and so, perhaps part of what they have to do to get him to sign with the Leafs is to uh, maybe take a little bit less than he could get elsewhere and maybe sell him on the opportunity, on development chances on where they're going on the opportunity to win a cup, all that stuff. Um, you know, I think that this has been a challenge for them so far, right? Like they would have liked to bring back Nick Foligno, but not at 3.8 million that he got in Boston. Uh, I think that they liked Grandland, certainly not at 5 million that, that, that Nashville's, uh, you know, signed him to on a long-term deal. And so I think the Leafs truly are bargain hunting right now. And, you know, I, I, I haven't heard specific issue interest in Casha, but he makes sense. Richie, it does seem like there's there's certainly some ongoing conversations there. I think Thomas Tatar is someone that that's a possibility uh, for Toronto as well. And, you know, he kind of aligns with what we think of their team. You know, excellent underlying numbers has been quite productive, relatively speaking, you know, on that line with, with Gallagher and Deneau uh, for a couple seasons now in Montreal. And, you know, probably after being scratched through most of the playoffs isn't in a position to demand too much in free agency. So I think those guys all make sense, but, you know, my understanding too is they're quite open to uh, trades if if they don't end up landing any of these guys. And so, you know, I, I think the Leafs will probably add two forwards to their group still. You know, one that we can identify as probably being a top six type of role player, uh, someone who might get a chance to play with Matthews and Marner. Uh, which is that is, a, is that like a Tyler Bertuzzi, which is a name that's come up? 
could be Tyler Bertuzzi, you know, wouldn't surprise to see me move. Hints wouldn't surprise me if he's moved on from Detroit. Uh, he's a restricted free agent, so he needs a contract. Um, yeah, like I, I think that that's a possible. Like I, I don't, I don't get the sense they're focusing on one guy. I guess is the mm. point. Uh, I think that they're open minded about who this is because really they're focused in on a certain cap number. I think it's about three million, give or take, is roughly what they have to spend on another winger. Uh, again, it's someone that we're talking could be played with Matthews and Marner next year or Tavares and Nylander, depending on how things shake out. You know, maybe maybe there's a chance to circle back and bring back an Alex Galchenyuk. You know, I think whoever this player is, it's probably not going to make a mass, massive headline. Like, we're not talking guaranteed superstar, someone that gets everyone running to the store to buy their, their, their jersey. Um, but this is where you can make smart decisions. No one was doing cart, cartwheels in Tampa – when they gave up a first round pick for Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman within like a week of each other. And then they end up forming two thirds of one of their most effective lines over two cup runs. So I think what the Leafs are trying to do is identify the next Goodrow and, and Coleman. They can't sign those players once they're they've established themselves because of where their market is. And so I think they're trying to find the players that are about to pop and, and Nick Ritchie makes sense to me. I think you know, he's a top 10 pick. He hasn't quite delivered maybe on the promise that, that accompanied him in his, his draft year, but I still think he brings a lot of good attributes that put in the right situation. You know, his best years could still be ahead. There was definitely part of me when I saw the good draw and Coleman deals where I was like, Oh, Columbus broke their brains. Like (laughs) (laughs) they fried them permanently and then they ended up winning and they went through them um, in the process. So this is, this has obviously been a ridiculous off season, perhaps the most ridiculous off season of your career. Definitely of mine. Um, When's the aftershock? Because there's a lot left. When's the aftershock? Is it going to be steady activity, do you think? Or is there going to be a day where the dam breaks? Oh, I, I, I think it's going to be quiet for most guys now. I mean, maybe today you, you might see a little bit more action, but I could see it being very quiet through August for these these players. I mean, that's, that's a tough thing. Like, if you're a free agent who isn't Dougie Hamilton, like, Dougie was going to be able to sign kind of on his terms, more or less. But if you're in the middle or to lower tier of free agency, like if you don't get a dance partner on day one or two, like it, it could be a long August of, you know, ramping up your workouts, not knowing what you're even working out for, like who you're working out to play for. And so I, I think September will get busy again, but I, I'm predicting a pretty quiet August. I mean, th- there's arbitration and stuff that still happens. Like there's going to be league news, but I don't see it being a fertile period for free agents. I think, you know, after this, this kind of first, you know, we get the, this was a real frenzy, right? July 28th and to much lesser degree, July 29th, that's a real frenzy. I'm thinking by August, it gets quiet. And then September there's PTOs and, and there'll be some other stuff, but you know, I, it, it wouldn't be too comfortable right now if you don't have a contract. So, sorry. I was too indirect. Let, let me be more direct. Announce the Eichel trade. <laughs> announce it. One, September, two, three, announce it. September 19th. That's not, tomorrow what i know man i think it i think the next pressure point is is training camp and i mean in this case i guess the unknown here quite honestly is we don't know if jack eichel could participate in training camp no matter where it is at this point like we don't know where his, his neck health is at if if he's going to be able to do that but i would think if he is assuming he's able to participate in training camp i don't think buffalo wants any part of the scene of day one of camp with jack eichel returning like I like Duchesne in Colorado. Uh, that's exactly where I was going. Right. And, and like Duchesne, like Duchesne didn't get traded till the start of November. 
you know, maybe everyone is going to have to go through that. But, you know, once they got through the first round of the draft, like I, that trade got harder to make. Like it was easier to make if you were getting like the fifth overall pick that night, plus, 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 plus. But once you get past the draft, first of all, teams have started spending money elsewhere. Like Minnesota is basically backed out of this thing because they had to get on with building their team. And it's a pretty big deal if you're adding 10 million in the one C spot or not in terms of what yeah. fall, what kind of fallout there is there. Like they're not signing both Kaprizov and, and Kevin Fiala. This were both restricted for agents. If you, if you're adding 10 million there, in fact, you might be trading one or both of them as part of the package. Um, <laughs> anyway, one or both. <laughs> well, I look, I don't know what this, that's the thing that the, 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 like the asks have been massive as they should be. Right. I don't know what the truth is. Like, I don't know who's actually going to step up and meet this for, you know, this equivalent of four first rounders sort of idea that's out there. Um, you know, I think Anaheim has interest, but like, I don't think they're all that. Well, in fact, I know they're not all that excited about the prospect of dealing away like Jamie Drysdale or Trevor Zegras, like two of their, you know, their top two young prospects who are basically are on the cusp now of being full-time NHL players. Like, Anyway, it's a long way of saying I think Buffalo is going to get squeezed a little bit, even though they hold, you know, I, every Kevin Adams availability, I, I hear him saying, like, we control this and all that. And it's right. They control the player and they have the most attractive player that's going to be moved in whatever trade is made. But at a certain point, it doesn't benefit the organization out of this drag on. And I think other teams are counting on the fact the price is going to come down. So I read a tweet last night and I want to get your thoughts uh, from Bill to Spiel. Um, Adams, as in Kevin Adams, is forcing Eichel's camp to make an official trade request so he can take the shitty package that he was going to get anyway, but take a bit of the onus off the team's mishandling of the situation. It's actually a little smart. Thoughts? Uh, I mean, Knowing I think- that shitty package is not Chris Johnston's words. Yeah, I mean... I don't think this is Kevin Adams' fault. <laughs> like, he, he got, <laughs> no, no. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he became GM and this situation had been bubbling and whatever. I, I think he's in a no-win position, though. And, and so, I guess, how you frame it, you're trying to get a small PR win out of this. But this is not going to – there's no way to win this trade, I don't think. I mean, the only way you ever win this trade is if Jack Eichel – and I'm not cheering for this, I'm not manifesting it, but, like, if he's so injured that he can never be a version of himself again. Uh, but assuming that he gets back to being the player that he's shown himself to be, like you're not winning this deal. There's just there's no history is just full of these. You, we trade you a bunch of guys, but you get the superstar, and the superstar always uh, is the guy you miss. But I also think you traded Ristolainen, and you've traded Sam Reinhardt. You lean into your rebuild here and and just make the best deal possible. I I, I don't I wouldn't be worried. Like easy for me to say, I wouldn't be worried about PR. I, I would just be like, just make the deal and take your bullets and even be honest with the fans. Like, I think fans are way smarter than, than we give them credit for half the time, honestly. Like, I think people get it. Like, if you're a Sabres fan, you probably hate this. But you get it. Like, you're, you're not bringing this guy back. Like, he's not going to play three more seasons in Buffalo. Like, there's just no chance. Like, he might have to play three more games because this might drag on and be a soap opera. But I, I kind of feel like we're getting to the stage where it's just best to make the best deal and move on and start start building because there's this this building's on fire and we don't have enough fire engines to put it out. Jesus, <laughs> bad reference. I don't know. I was trying to think. It like it's beyond <laughs> it's beyond salvation, right? It's like, beyond repair. No, yeah. I yeah. I got it. It it's 
drove the message home, CJ. I got this, it. This marriage has gone through therapy, and the, the couple still doesn't like each other. Like, there's just like at some point you're calling the divorce lawyer. Like, let's let's get on with it. What do you want? DMs. Oh, <laughs> what are you in? What are you in Adam's DMs? What are you in Oilers I didn't know, fan? I didn't know. Di- I didn't know divorce jokes were uh, were safe here. They are. They are. Well, did oh, you yeah. you heard the Duncan Keith one, right? I don't think you did. <laughs> I don't oh. know. If you did. Oh yeah. There, Adam, there was, don't, don't. Anyway, it's Chris. I'll send you the link later. Um, I think. Oh. Uh, I think at the end of the day, here, you know, it's it's just for the, for the Sabers is like, could the PR really get any worse? Just do it. Um, and I think what's a bummer for Sabres fans is now they get to sit through the entire summer with it. Well, do you know what fans want? They want a winning team at, or a plan. Like they want to see that you're, you either have to be like winning a championship or on the way to winning a championship. Like, like that's the only two things that fans will take. And that's why I, like I'm saying, I like Arizona's thing. Like, yeah, they're, that team is going to lose a lot of games this year. But if you're in their fan base, you're like, wow, okay, we got a GM. He's being decisive. He's, he like he's doing things that can give me a reason to care again, mm-hmm. and so I think that Buffalo, like, there's no like Jack Eichel was supposed to be their their captain when they won a cup, right? It, it, it was this build was supposed to be around him. It hasn't worked out. They failed him. He's failed. I don't even know if he's failed them honestly. I mean, unfortunately, his health failed him uh, here the last little bit. But like, I just think you got to move on. I'm with you. I, I don't. I don't think there's any anything to be gained by dragging this out. Vlad Tarasenko, his, uh, according to Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic, his, his um, value is sinking like a rock, too, because, again, after the draft and after free agency, nobody's got the money anymore. And even at 50, 50% retained, this is a guy that's played 30 games in the last two seasons and has shoulder issues and is known for his shot, and he's 30. Where does he end up um, and, and when? I see that trade's coming sooner. I could see okay. him ending up with the Islanders, uh, maybe New Jersey. Like New Jersey is looking for a score, so if they're not able to find it there, like where do they go? Maybe Carolina wouldn't rule it out. I'm not saying it's likely. The Hurricanes sort of kick tires on everybody, um, but I, I, I do think that it's that's another relationship beyond repair. The beauty for him is, yeah, he makes seven and a half million, but it's only this season that's coming and the next. So it's it's a little bit less risk. You know, you're not you're not counting on six more years of him and him finding his way back. And so I, I think all those places make sense. I mean, the Islanders are hilarious, right? Like we fully expect that they've signed Zach Frise and, and Kyle Palmieri in free agency. As of this moment, they haven't announced it for whatever reason. They just um, never will. They just never well, will. It, just on like August, August 31st, they'll just be like a one-line press release that we, we signed this guy, this guy, and we traded for Tarasenko or whatever. Um, <laughs> it's actually like, I, it doesn't offend me. I just find it funny. Or amusing. Sure. Um, you just think it's but, funny how, huh? Well, I mean, like, <laughs> whatever. They could, like, you do you, man. Like, uh, like it's, it's 2021. We've just been through a pandemic. We all got to live our best life. So whatever, <laughs> whatever you think is the best way to approach it. Um, but I, I, anyway, I do think Tarasenko, we moved. I just saw, by the way, that David Krejci, I mentioned him earlier, that he's announced he's retiring from the NHL. Oh, so wow. He's wow. moving home to the Czech Republic to play. And, you know, the story oh, I had been told there is that, um, his, his parents are, don't speak English and his kids don't speak Czech, you know, essentially he's raised kids in, in Boston, in North America and his parents, you know, lived in the Czech Republic. And I think, I think he's, he has a desire to reunite his family, so to speak, or like to, to, you know, after all this time move on, you know, I think it's a big blow for the Bruins. I like, I like what the Bruins did in free agency, but there's a, 
to me, there's still a sizable kind of hole in their second line center position. Like may, maybe it's Eric Halla that's stepping into that role is signed. I mean, maybe they try Nick Foligno there. Obviously he can play all three forward positions and, and has done so throughout his career. But like Krejci and Hall were a key part of their second line, you know, late last season. And even at Krejci's age, I, I still think he was effective. And so I'm sure emotional decision for David, uh, probably the right one for his family. But, you know, this leaves the Bruins to me in an interesting spot. Like the decline might come sooner than we think with that team. That's all, that's all I'm saying. It's not, that's not a full prediction. I just see them as a team that's been so good for so long. You just assume they'll never fall off, but you know, it's, it's death by a thousand small cuts, you know, might be, might be coming to that organization. God, wow. I'm just, his playoff numbers are uh, in all three trips to the finals that he was a part of 23 points in 25 games, 26 points in 22 games and 16 points in 24 games in the most recent one. 0.79 points per game in the playoffs. Like, what a playoff performer David Krejci was. As a Leaf fan, good riddance. Yeah. <laughs> Get out Super of here. Guy. Yeah. Super guy, too. Like, Super really, guy. really yeah. good guy. CJ? I mean, I admire oh, making oh, this sorry. decision for his family, too. Like, yeah, yeah. Can't, that yeah. can't be easy. Like, I, I, no, I haven't talked to him. I'm not in his shoes. But, like, I can just imagine that that wasn't the easiest call because – when you're one of the best in the world at doing something like that, you can only do it for so long. And and to leave when he still could play, man, that's got to be tough. Would he play in the KHL or the, or sure. the Czech League? Maybe the Czech League. You know, him and Yarmir Yager can uh, tear it up. Their battles there. Well, I don't think they'd be on the same team. So um, that's wild because they played on the you know that one cup run. Yager was mm-hmm. with Boston too. So oh, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, I mean. Good on them, but the Czech League is, is great and all, but it's not the NHL. Right. Is right. there has there been a change in mindset just based on the conversations that you have? Because this is like I know it's it's valiant and everything, but I also don't think this is a decision that gets made pre pandemic at the same age, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. You know what I mean? I think I think everyone has a new perspective on life after all this. Yeah, if you didn't, you did the pandemic wrong. Like, and, and you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm saying that obviously tongue in cheek, but like, let's face it, who among us hasn't had either an opportunity to consider, like, just reevaluate our priorities, look mm. at situations, friends, family, work, whatever, differently. I mean, I, I think the whole world, like, this has been an earthquake and that shook every country, touched everyone in certain ways. And so I agree with you. I, I you know, it's hard to, alternate reality we can't do in this case but i think it's possible that everyone has looked differently i know i've looked at things in my own life quite differently too through this and, and so I, I think that that's fair assessment even matt niskanen right like he walked away after the bubble with philly from i think it was around four million bucks like he, he just said i'm done he didn't want to do it anymore move back move his family back to minnesota um you know i'm not and he was younger uh, and still could play and so I think there are a lot of guys. I mean, it's funny. It's gone the other way with some of the older players. Like I've heard a few older players kind of suggest they didn't want to go out with these seasons. Like they want to, they, they want to stick it through long enough to see fans again and to be around the excitement and the way the game was that they remember. So like, it, it doesn't mean that it's driving players on mass out of the game, but I do think it's driving maybe different decisions that would have been made if it didn't happen. And, you know, I've even read also that like 25 companies are expecting they're going to lose 25% of their workforce because of this. Like, Every company, no matter what, you're going to have part of your workforce that absolutely wants to keep working from home. You have part of it that absolutely wants to come back to office, part of it that like wants some hybrid. Like there's no way to make everyone happy in this. And, and 
you know, this is going to be probably the most significant event in our lives, honestly. Um, like in our, that, so. we're, that we'll witness. Yeah. Well, if, if something, fingers if, crossed, <laughs> if something bigger and more disruptive is coming, uh, we're probably not doing a hockey podcast. So, no. um, I've yeah. had it with significant moments. I would like to go back to, wow, this is pretty boring. I love it. <laughs> you want you want to keep your life comfortably between a three and seven out of 10 kind of? Yeah, right now I do. Yeah. I mean, like you were talking about changes and you brought up divorce. I mean, I did pandemic and divorce at the same time. It was spectacular. So, you know, for me, I feel like we could, we could ratchet the drama down a little bit. You know what I mean? I see. I see. Yeah. yeah. Like I... I mean, and with no, and and with no, I'm not making uh, any sort of side shot at my at, at uh, my daughter's mother. It's just like it was a lot. There's a lot, and and it feels like everybody seems just pooped. Like everybody I talk to, they're like, I'm just really tired of everything. Like, and it's not no a side shot. It. It's not a side shot, but you are saying my daughter's mother. Like, well, yeah, you know, like, I mean, that's what she is. What do you want me to say? My ex? It sounds so much worse when you say your ex, right? It's like, oh, my really. I, I just I think, think back so. to like if your parents are fighting and your mom's like, well, your father, tell your father <laughs> right. this. Or like, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, he's not my true. father. He's your husband. Like, what the heck? Like, why are you changing the anyway? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to be positive about it. Right. Like, it's not that big of a deal. We're fine. Uh, it's anyway. Long I, know, story I saw that you got a new bow. You've been talking about on Instagram. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. Did you see that? Yes. Um, you, you've been going public with your with your feelings. That well, that's that wasn't my choice. <laughs> you know what? It's funny. There is some crossover between this podcast and Virgin Radio, but a lot of times it's just completely separate audiences. And so oh, yeah? you know, I'll bring up. You know, I've talked about it openly on uh, on Virgin, and and then I'll bring it up here, and people will be like, "I didn't know that." And it's because it's like a hockey podcast, right? It's the only place you'd know me from. So, you know, we're not talking about it that much. But yeah, anyway, long story short. I'm just happy that you're happy, bud. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. I appreciate that. Very I love happy. the half the half dozen people in your in your Instagram comments because it'll be a lot of listeners of this show going what 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 and there's a half dozen people that just go all right I got the tea and they explain everything because they listen to both <laughs> yeah like, listen yeah. I got you here's what's going down <laughs> love and, the hardcore it's funny every time I post anything now and and I know by saying this I'm gonna get it, like our listeners are uh, uh, very Perfect. very funny. So we have, so I know, so there's basically from, there's a, there's, there's three groups of people that follow me. They're the people that were, you know, Virgin Radio listeners or people that SDP listeners. And then there are the breakfast television slash really like my mom's show. And so therefore we'll pay attention to what I'm doing as well, but they really don't consume any of the shows that I do. And so, um, so what they'll do is, um, like if I talk about anything relationship wise, they'll just write divorce question mark. <laughs> just divorce what happened <laughs> and then and then so now i know i'm gonna get forty thousand people every time i post something writing divorce on my comments oh no <laughs> stp listeners have started picking it up and i know who you are by the way and they they absolutely know what's going on and they just write divorce just to fuck around um and so <laughs> do you know what i'm gonna do now it's gonna be the dead of august i'm gonna be somewhere totally off off the grid you will not have heard from me and you're gonna have like one of your like cheesy car commercials or whatever on instagram <laughs> and i'm just gonna like divorce <laughs> you, know what, you know what chris you know what i respect it i respect that <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
That's a sign of love, though. I know. I know. I know that. <laughs> you, Chris would make fun of you. He's far too polite unless he really knew you and really liked you. Um, yeah, you're going to be on a boat somewhere telling me this is Ontario. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 that, that campaign's not done yet. Don't go back yet. Thank you. Oh, my God, I'm crying. <laughs> oh, God. We sell some peanut butter divorce. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. All right, Chris. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So listen, Chris, we we love having you as always. This is more goofy than informative. That's okay. (laughs) That's okay. So listen, it's been it's been a wild eight months, nine months almost. Um, Can we call this episode divorce? Yeah. (laughs) Question mark. Question mark. (laughs) Question mark. Um, or is that too real? Oh, that'd be funny. That, no, let's do it. I think it's let's a good do idea. It. Let's Fine. do it. Divorce question mark with CJ. Um, I, you know what? No, listen. then everyone's gonna think I'm getting divorced. Like, well, they'll still that. listen. Yeah. So listen. Uh, you know what? Really, Chris, we love you. Take that well-deserved break. Uh, we can't wait to have you on again in like eight weeks when we're teeing up the season. Um, but you know, thank you for for everything this year with us, and and you know sticking with us through the pandemic as well, because you've been a great resource and uh, spectacular every time you're coming on for, you know, people that listen to this show. It's, it's, uh, I find myself when, when you're here, I listen to the show and it's really nice. Wow. I, I can't ever listen to myself on anything. That's, I only hate when I'm on a show because then I can't listen to the show. So. Right. There was, there was a moment early in the podcast where there was an awkward pause and it was like, right, I'm on the Steve Dangle podcast. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's what I mean. <laughs> Even live and in the moment, I listen, I'm like listening like, oh, that's really fascinating. Yeah. And then you right. just kind of, I yeah. can't wait to see what the next question is. <laughs> I bet it's going to be really good. Well, thanks to you guys. Obviously, you guys are my buds and I love you, but also I love your audience. Like it's part of what's made this so much fun the last few years for me is getting to be on your show. Like people are all in my everything telling me how much they love this thing. So it's, it's cool to get feedback like that. Honestly, almost nothing else I do. You, you do you hear positive things from because we don't live in it. We don't live in an era where people go around saying, Hey, you did a good job, but I get so much positive vibes out of doing this, this, this uh, podcast. And that's kept me coming back in addition to you guys. It's a special group it really is. So Chris, thank you for your time. You're from a special guy. Uh, you, you know, we, uh, we can't wait to catch up again. Maybe we'll get out for a beer at some point in August and not post about it on social media. Hence Ooh. the divorce comments, uh, divorce? but, <laughs> but... <laughs> the peanut butter line. Holy shit. Chris. Oh, I'm crying. oh my God. I'm never going to be able to oh. sell anything again. Chris. <laughs> oh. um, but I don't yeah, know. It looks to me like you're doing a pretty good job, man. I buy everything that you post on there. Listen, we, we we love you, buddy. Thanks so much for the show, and uh, everybody enjoy their long weekends. We will be back next Wednesday Wednesday with uh, Rick Westhead to talk about the Chicago Blackhawks. Definitely going to be a tough episode, but definitely going to be worth the listen. Chris, you're amazing. We love you. Thank you. No problem. I just thought of one thing. Yeah, everyone's all over me about that mystery player. It didn't. Oh happen. yeah, it didn't yeah. happen. It's not happening. Didn't happen. Not happening. Didn't Damn happen. It. Okay. okay. Have they now? Could it happen? Maybe next year. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I wasn't making it up. I think everyone thought I was just doing that to be extra dramatic and make everyone crazy. Um, but no, it just didn't happen. Sorry, guys. Okay. Okay. It's all right. Why don't this you is- run the Leafs? Because <laughs> I would be a disaster. I would be so bad. <laughs> 
All, All right, right, sorry, next question. What's your problem? <laughs> uh, thanks so it, much, man. Chris. Thank we'll wrap up. All right, guys. Be well. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle, at Adam W-Y-L-D-E, and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete. Wow.